Our scripture text this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, and I will be reading verses 1 through 8. Jesus was telling them a parable about their need to pray continuously and not be discouraged. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected people. In that city there was also a widow who kept coming to him asking, Give me justice in this case against my adversary. For a while he refused, but finally said to himself, I don't fear God and or respect people, but I will give this widow justice because she keeps bothering me. Otherwise, there will be no end to her coming here and embarrassing me. The Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Won't God provide justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he be slow to help them? I tell you, he will give them justice quickly. But when the human one comes, will he find faithfulness on earth? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I spent a lot over the last couple of years, a lot of time over the last couple of years, thinking about judges and justice and things like that. I'm assuming some of you who pay attention to politics and the Supreme Court probably have been thinking a lot about it too. I'm not going to make any sort of statements on what I think about the appointment of the justices. I've just been thinking a lot lately about what makes a good judge. You ever sat really down to think about what, what, if you were sitting in front of a judge, Supreme Court, district, whatever, what would you want your judge to be like? How would you want that judge to act and react, to feel towards you, to feel towards others? What kind of person would you want to serve as your judge? What kind of person would you want to sit on the Supreme Court if it was your case being heard? When I think about it, in my own mind, I tend to kind of have some qualities that I would like to see in a judge. I'd like them to be a person who respects justice. I hope all of us would want that, right? That the judge would be a person who says, I want justice to be done, and who follows the rule of law that we have in this Constitution of the United States of America in order to see that justice is done, both for the offended party and for those who might be on the receiving end of a lawsuit, right? The defendant and plaintiff, they should both receive justice under the law that we have so that justice is rightly dispensed. I I would like that person to be somewhat dispassionate in regards to the people in front of them. Not that that person doesn't care about the people in front of them, but that the person will look out from the bench and will see the people who are bringing the case, see the defense, and not see them as plaintiff and guilty, right? But as people who are coming seeking justice. I want the person who is a judge to look at people and, and, and to look at those who come before them and say, I don't care if they're rich, poor, housed, or homeless, right? They deserve justice under the law that this United States has, right? That, that's what I would like to see. That's what the person I would want to sit in front of because that's the kind of person I can trust to say, at the very least, they will do their best to be fair and impartial in dispensing justice, now, there's a lot of other things that we can think about and, and a lot of other ways we can think about justice and judges and how they act. But, but I think I can say fairly unequivocally, fair, is there such thing as being fairly unequivocal? No, there's not. Unequivocally, that the judge described in today's text is not the kind of judge that I want to sit in front of. Now, let's think about this in, 
in terms of, of what Jesus tells us here. So, so the first thing it should, be, it should be noted is, is at the beginning of this text, what, what Jesus does and what Luke does is actually tell us why he's telling the parable. And, and this doesn't happen a whole lot in parables, right? A lot of the parables we read and we go, I don't know what that means. Or we, we read and we listen and we kind of have to think about it and sort of tease out the meanings because that's what parables are. They're just stories to help us understand meaning. But but this particular one, Luke says, Jesus told them a parable about the need to pray and not give up, to be persistent in prayer. And so Jesus begins this parable by describing a judge. This judge is not the kind of judge that any of us would want to sit in front of. Defendant, plaintiff, doesn't matter. There there are two things that that give us and that clue us into this fact. The first is this judge did not fear God. The second is he did not regard people. Not care for people. Now, I'm going to start with the second one first. If I'm sitting before a judge, I want that judge to care about people. Because justice is about people, right? Right? To be unjust is bad for people, and to be just is good for people. If you have a judge who doesn't care about people, it's a little scary. Right? I don't care about the people who are in front of me. I don't care about whether things go good or bad for them. I just don't care. Now... It begs the question of why this person was a judge in the first place, right? Um, You know, most people, you think when they go into law school, they're thinking, you know, um, I want to do some good in the world. I want to be justice. But apparently this guy doesn't care, okay? Not a good dude, not a righteous dude, not the kind of dude we want to sit in front of. The second one is that he did not fear God. Now, in our particular system, that tends not to be as big a deal because justice, according to the law, can be handed out fairly. But but in the... in ancient Israel and, and in Jesus' time, if you were a judge in Israel and did not fear God, you had a problem because their entire legal system was based on the fear of God. Their legal system was Torah. And if a judge does not fear God, then why should the judge fairly dispense justice under the regulations of Torah? It, it, it doesn't make sense. So, so let's just short and sweet. This judge is a bad dude, right? Not a good guy, not the kind of guy we want to emulate, not the kind of guy we look up to, not the kind of guy we'd want to sit in front of if we had a case or if we were in a defendant for that matter, right? In my mind, he's Ebenezer Scrooge, right? This is the picture that comes to my mind when I regard the description of Jesus of this judge, right? Bah humbug, right? Sitting on Christmas Day counting his money, right? So this is the judge in this case. Jesus then describes the plaintiff in this case. And there's some things that we really need to to key in on here. This is the best picture I could find, so sorry if it misleads you, but this is just what I got. Um, This woman is a woman seeking justice, right? We're not told what she's seeking justice in. We don't know if it's a land dispute, uh, whatever, right? Someone has wronged her. We don't, we don't know what it is. We just know she is seeking justice, which means her cause is right and good and just. But we're told she's a widow. Now, this is what makes this text, well, I mean, it's interesting to begin with, but more interesting to me. Because in the first century, in Israel, a woman arguing her own case was not something typical. And about the only reason that we would have this is if she has no one else to advocate for her, right? She's a widow, so she doesn't have a husband, which under their legal system, 
It's not a great legal system in my opinion, but under their legal system, she would not be able to argue her case. Not technically speaking, she would not have standing in the court. Technically speaking, as a widow, she would need a husband, a male family member, someone else to argue her case before this judge. So he has a good reason. Well, it's not a good reason. He has a reason to dismiss her. It's not a good one. But here's, here's where this whole righteous judge and does not fear God comes into play. Because in Israel's legal system, and as God has said multiple times throughout history in Torah and elsewhere, the people are supposed to be extra sensitive to the plight of widows and orphans, right? Those who have no other advocate in the system. Again, if she was married, she would have had a husband who was an advocate, If she had a male heir of a son, she would have had an advocate who could argue her case. If she had family, right, brothers or uncles who could argue her case, she would have advocates. But but in this case, she's a widow and there's no indication she has any other advocate. So her, her entire life and plight is at the mercy of a judge who neither fears God nor cares for people. Can you see where things are getting a little iffy? The only thing the widow is asking for is justice. She's not asking for preferential treatment. She's not asking for something she doesn't deserve or is not, shall we say, entitled to under the legal system. She is simply asking for the thing that the judge is commissioned by God to give, which is justice. But the judge says no. He refuses to grant her justice in her case. Again, Jesus is sparse on the details, so we can fill some of them in or try to fill some of them in or in my imagination, right? She's asking for something. She's asking for justice, and he won't even take the case, right? He sees, I don't know, widow. He sees woman or whatever prejudice he has, whatever thing he regards. Maybe he looks at it and says, there's nothing in this for me. Denied, denied, denied. He refuses to grant her justice. But the woman, as Jesus says, is tenacious. Nevertheless, she persisted, you might say. And she kept bringing her case before the judge. Day in, day out, night, day, season after season, month after month, year after year. She keeps coming to the judge. Give me justice. Give me justice. Give me justice. In my mind, again, there's just paper after paper, uh, brief after brief, going across his desk saying, give me justice. Give me justice. And he just rolls his eyes. Every time he sees it, he looks at it and he, uh, her again, her again, her again, her again, and just dismisses it. But Jesus tells us that there is one point that comes in this judge's life where he is just done. It's too much for him. In fact, he sits down and he says, self, yes, he talks to himself. I don't fear God. I don't care about people. Justice doesn't really matter to me. Again, begs the question, why are you a judge? But we'll put that aside for now. Nevertheless, This woman keeps coming day in, day out. She keeps pestering me with this case. And so I will give her justice so she doesn't come here and wear me out or humiliate me. The actual term is a boxing term. Give me a black eye is literally what he says. So that you won't keep coming here and giving me a black eye. 
Now, he doesn't care about God, has no regard for people, so I'm not sure exactly what reputation he cares to protect. He's probably just annoyed. He's probably just done. And so he says, fine, I will grant you what you want or give you justice. And that's it. That's the story. And then Jesus says something strange. Listen to what the unjust judge says. Let's just stop there for a moment. Thus far, is there anything in this parable that we would look at and say, hmm, God is kind of like that judge? That's a rhetorical question. (laughs) Um, No, yeah. (laughs) I'm hoping that's the answer you all are coming to in your head. The way that that this judge described doesn't seem to be at all, at all, characteristic of God. So we ought to ask ourselves, why then does Jesus give this parable? We know it's about prayer. But why would Jesus use this sort of comparison? Because he's surely not comparing God to the judge, at least not directly. Of course, we can look at it and we can think and we can go... I think what Jesus is trying to say is God is nothing like the judge. I hope that in our hearts and our minds we're going, wait a minute, God is nothing like the judge. God is better than the judge. If a judge is willing to do that, though he doesn't care about God and care about people after persistent requests, then maybe God is better than that. And maybe God is willing to grant justice to those who cry out. Remember, Jesus says he told a parable about being willing to pray and never give up. So the hero of the story, I hope we all know, is not the judge. The person we are to emulate or to uphold is not the judge, right? He's bad. We should fear God and we should care about people at a minimum, okay? That's not the person we're supposed to be like. We're supposed to look at the woman and go, wait a minute, She is persistent. She is unwilling to give up. She is unwilling to fold in the towel. She needs justice. She will cry out. And then we're supposed to put that together and say, wait a minute. God is awesome. God is good. First principle of religion in my book is God is not a jerk. That's the first principle that I have when I regard God. Wait a minute. God's not this judge. God's not a jerk. God is kind. God is good. We spent our first family Sunday school lessons learning about the God who was abounding in steadfast love, slow to anger, right? Whose, whose blessings go to the thousandth generation, right? If this is the God we serve, then surely God is not up there going, I hear what Sheldon's telling me. I just don't really care. I don't believe that's true. What Jesus wants us to see is that God is good and just and kind. God cares about people. God cares about justice, right? Read the prophets sometimes. God's concerned with that, right? Isaiah, Jeremiah, it's justice, right? What, What does God require of humanity, right? Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God, right? Surely God cares about justice and cares about people, So if an unjust judge is persuaded by persistence, then surely God will answer those who cry out, as Jesus says, day and night.
In fact, Jesus says, God will grant justice quickly. For me, that's a bit of a sticking point. God will grant justice quickly? Sometimes it doesn't feel like God is acting quickly. Russia invaded the Ukraine in February. It seems unjust. Everything I can tell about it, everything most people will look at says, this is unjust. Yet it still goes on, and surely there are people crying out to God for justice in this situation. I have more than once. Quickly. When I read this passage of scripture, I immediately thought of Olivia Kinsey. Two years. And just last week, again at the hospital, and no answers. I know you and she and Tom and me have been praying for something, for answers, for resolution. And so we say, quickly? I don't, I don't think it's fair to go past that and, and not acknowledge that it doesn't feel quick sometimes. It, it doesn't feel sometimes that God is, is responsive when, when we want it, certainly. Sometimes it doesn't feel like God is responsive even when we need it. We get hung up on that quickly. But Jesus ends, interestingly enough, the parable by saying something. But when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? As I hear that and as I read that, again, it's that quickly that sticks in my mind. Are we willing to persist when it doesn't feel quick? When it doesn't feel on time? When it doesn't feel like God is answering when we want God to answer? And oftentimes when it doesn't feel like God is acting in the ways we want God to answer? And yet Jesus seems to acknowledge that, that this is hard. That, that we have a tendency to want to give up. When we've been praying for months or years, decades for some of you, it feels like we say, God, you feel like you're the unjust judge here. But you don't care. But you're not listening. Jesus wants to remind us that God is listening. God does care. And God does act quickly. Now, quickly for us and quickly for God are two very, very different things. The right time for God and the right time for our perceptions anyway are are often at odds with one another. Sometimes God quick, maybe even beyond the lifetime that we have. But God's got the scope of history to think about not simply the scope of our lives. Jesus says God will grant justice to those who cry out to him day and night. As a way of encouraging folks to keep going, to persist, to persist in in asking that God would, would grant justice, that God would grant the things that we pray for, that we've been told to pray for. And reminds us that it may take a while. And that we might be tempted, and many will be tempted to give up. But that we're to keep going. 
I, I hope this doesn't sound trite, but what this reminds me of, and for those of you who know me, this won't surprise you, a quote from, from the Lord of the Rings, J.R.R. Tolkien. A wizard is never late, nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. I would amend that statement in regards to God. God is never late. God probably, at least in our regards, is rarely early. But God will always arrive when God needs to. God will always arrive when it's time for God to arrive. God will show up when God needs to. When the scope of history needs God to. Let's think of a couple of examples. Abraham was promised, not at a young age, but given the scope of his lifetime, a fairly young age for him. And he waited and he waited and he waited for God to fulfill the promise that Sarah would conceive and bear a son. It wasn't until Abraham was 110 years old, as good as dead, the author of the Romans says, that Sarah became pregnant and bore Isaac. Now, before we you know, lift up Abraham too high, right? They tried to go and do this early through, through someone else. It didn't work out so well for anybody, for that child, for his mother. But God showed up when God needed to. The author of the Romans also reminds us that at just the right time, in the scope of human history, think of all the history and all the people who had prayed for God to intervene, prayed for God to act definitively and decisively. How long had Israel prayed for deliverance, for God to come in and deliver them? But at just the right time, God sends Jesus, who becomes the ultimate answer for our sin and for what ails us in this world and offers salvation. For God, it was just the right time. For some, it felt too late. Taken too long. Moses was promised that he would enter the promised land, or that, that, that the people would go into the promised land, but it, it turned out that Moses didn't get to go into the promised land. He saw it from a high hill. He saw it in the distance. But he didn't get to go there. In fact, he died short of it. But God kept his promise to the people of Israel and to Moses and to Abraham before that and to the prophets after and to those who have followed Christ from Jesus' death and resurrection until now. God has promised that God will show up, that God will bring justice and quickly, even if it doesn't feel like it. It encourages us to pray always and not give up. Jesus wouldn't have told this parable, I don't think, if Jesus didn't somehow understand that it feels sometimes that our prayers go nowhere. I think Jesus understands that. I think that's why he tells this parable. That it feels like it's been so long that I've been praying the same prayer, that I've been praying for the, the salvation of a child or of a loved one or, or prayed for healing for somebody or, or whatever it might be, justice in my own particular case. 
Even justice in the law, it feels sometimes like God isn't listening, that God isn't working, that God isn't active. But Jesus wants to remind us that God is. And that God will answer those who cry out day and night. And so, as we come to a close today, I want to give us the opportunity, just a few minutes, where we're going to pray. I'm not going to pray out loud up here, at least not during that time. I'm just going to allow us the time in silence and in quiet to cry out to God. You may not have anything that is kind of on your persistent prayer list, and, and that's really okay. But I know many of you, I know almost all of you, and I know that many of you have things on your lists that God hasn't seemed to answer yet. Again, it might be salvation for a child, for a loved one, for a friend. It might be healing for someone in our lives who has been struggling. It might be someone in the grips of addiction It might be lots of different things that it feels like sometimes God is not answering. And perhaps it feels like sometimes God is not even hearing. I want to give time this morning to respond to this text in faith. Jesus reminds us that God is there, that God is listening, and that God will grant the justice that God has promised. Now, a caveat, the answer may not be what you want. The answer may not be what you expect. But God will act and God will move. Because God has promised to do so. And it may be an act of defiant faith this morning to pray your prayer. It may go against everything that your heart and mind is telling you. But sometimes faith acts in those ways. My heart and mind is telling me that God doesn't care. But I am choosing to believe the words that are written in Scripture. The witness of those who have come before the witness of some who are in our midst, that God answers prayer, that God is listening, and that God will come to those who cry out day and night. So again, it'll be three, four minutes. Just an opportunity, and you can do it silently. You can, you can shout it out if you want. Let's bring to God those things that are on our lists that sometimes it feels like we're pestering God with. Let's bring them to him in an act of faith that he is working and that he will answer. Let's pray. Amen. I have the worship team come back up and we're going <clears> to <throat> sing a final song. 
this is an, it's an interesting song that we're going to sing because it, it feels peppy. <laughs> it didn't feel like a peppy sermon, but it, it's a peppy song. But it's a poignant reminder that in all of this, in all of this, we serve one who is faithful. We serve one who has promised to be all that we need. And for me, I've come to Jesus because of how deep I need him. How deeply I need him to save me. How deeply I need him to encourage me. How deeply I need him to remind me who I am. And how deeply I need him to give me more faith. But I have placed my trust in one, and I know most, if not all of you have as well. And so we're going to sing of that trust. That when we seek, we find. That when we knock, the door is opened. That when we pray, he is listening. And that he will, he will respond. So would you please join me as we sing together?